This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for November 26, 2020. Beware older bargain iPhones. Your subscriptions may be renewing soon. How to prep devices for sale and all about the HomePod Mini. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm I'm doing quite well. So the day this podcast comes out is Thanksgiving. You're going to be eating turkey this year. Uh, yeah, of course. It's it's tradition. Okay, so this podcast comes out on Thursday, and Friday, November 27th, is? Black Friday. It's Black Friday, that terrible day where people go crazy trying to buy things on sale. I don't know about the states right now, but over here, it's been Black Friday for a week. Yeah, you know, it's funny because this is one of those things that gets earlier every year. It's just like how Christmas decorations go up in stores, you know, like the day after Halloween now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it would be like sometime after Thanksgiving and then start getting a little earlier. And now November 1st. Okay. Yeah, it's it's Christmas time now. Uh Well, so. Black Friday is good though for buying certain things and there are discounts and I don't want to say it too loud, but my partner needs a new Kindle, and this is the time of year you get a discount on a Kindle, um, so I'm going to get one for Christmas. But you've got an article on the Intego Mac Security blog warning people that not every Black Friday deal is really secure. Yeah, that's right. And we, we may have talked about this in, in years past, um, but I originally wrote this article in 2017. And at the time, I remember, and, and I don't specifically point out what retailer it is in the article, because really this does apply to, to lots of different retailers. Um, but uh, I mentioned that uh, as I was looking through some Black Friday deals, I found an iPhone 5C was, was one of the items that was being featured. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Because even at the time, this was a four-year-old phone. And uh, it was not getting iOS updates anymore. Well, interestingly, as I'm preparing to to update this article, which will be the new version of this will be published by the time the podcast goes out, I I found that <laughs> from that same retailer, um, they are still selling iPhone 5Cs, which are now seven years old, <laughs> and uh, and are still stuck with the same operating system version that they were back then, which is iOS 10. Of course, now we're up to iOS 14. And, uh, you know, there's uh, Apple seems to be uh, still probably releasing updates for iOS 12. Um, They did release one on, I think, uh, November 5th. Um, So at least some vulnerabilities are probably still going to be patched for iOS 12. iOS 13, of course, doesn't need to be because anything that could run iOS 13 can run 14. But if you've got anything older than that, that can't even run iOS 12, that's a pretty old device at this point. And uh, you should not be buying that anymore because it definitely will not be getting any kind of security updates at all. Well, I'm looking on Amazon UK and you can buy an iPhone 7. That's pretty old. So if we go back from 12, 11, XS, X and 8 
and then seven. So that's five generations back. Um, it's definitely, I don't know if it will run iOS 14. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, the seven will. Does. The seven still will. Okay. But it's likely that next year it won't be able to run iOS 15. Now these are refurbs and they're relatively inexpensive. If you just want a cheap phone, and cheap is, of course, relative, um, maybe you don't mind if it's not going to be usable for more than a year, but I definitely wouldn't want to get anything older than that. Right. Well, you know, where these devices might tend to be more appealing is if you're going to get a phone for maybe your kids. Maybe it's the first uh, phone that they've ever had. Maybe you like the idea of uh, just giving them something that's relatively inexpensive because, you know, it's an older model, so you can get it for cheaper. If that's the use case, then it might be more appealing to try to get an older phone. But um, it's it's important to be aware of, you know, the potential security issues with that. And maybe that doesn't really matter all that much to everybody because, uh, you know, some people don't necessarily think that their kid's phone necessarily needs to have the latest and greatest operating system. And, you know, so what, if there's a few vulnerabilities, maybe it's not that bad. Although I would say that most kids are going to be using a browser at some point. And that's where a lot of the vulnerabilities are is in WebKit, which is the guts behind Safari Um, and many other parts of the operating system too, for that matter. So I would argue that um, even if you're going to get an older model phone, I would prefer to get one that is not a really old generation like the iPhone 5C. Honestly, um, the other th- and the other thing that I'm adding to this article that uh, we didn't know about three years ago is that um, anything from the uh, iPhone 10 and 8 and all the older generations um, can be broken into if you have physical access to them, which uh, we've mentioned on the show before, but um, I thought it was worth mentioning in this article too. And as we were preparing for the show, you mentioned that, you know, refurbished uh, iPhones are, are, are still a thing. If you actually go to Apple's website and you click on iPhone at the top, um, it won't offer you the iPhone 10. But if you scroll all the way down and go to their refurbished section, they do still sell iPhone 10. So <laughs> this is a, a vulnerable model, only, to, only if people have physical access to your device, but it is a hackable model. It, it can run iOS 14, so at least it's not like remotely exploitable and all that kind of scary stuff. But um, if that concerns you that somebody who has physical access to your device could break into it and do bad things to it, then you probably shouldn't even be getting an iPhone 10 or an iPhone 8. If you look on the refurb section on Apple's U.S. website, you can get an iPhone 10, uh, 64 gigs for $549. That's, uh, compared to the list of $899, that's like a 40% discount. But you can get a new iPhone SE, 64 gigs for $399. There's absolutely no reason to spend more for the iPhone 10 with the same amount of storage. Uh, the iPhone SE, yes, it's a slightly reduced model compared to the current model, but the iPhone 10 is two generations old already. True. Um, but the SE, the, uh, the second generation SE, by the way, which is the one that Apple sells on their site, right. um, is an, a newer model than the 10. And, and it does have a newer processor. It's not vulnerable to that same, you know, hardware attack. It's newer. It's not quite as fancy, but it's safer and a lot cheaper. So why not get the SE? And just to quickly mention, if, if you're looking up SE 
make sure that when, you know, if you're buying it from Apple, they're only selling the second gen, which is the current model. But if you look up iPhone SE on other sites, it may not really be clear whether you're getting the first gen or the second gen. And the first gen is vulnerable, just like the iPhone 8 and 10. Okay, so here's how you can tell them apart. The first generation iPhone SE, it has the straight sides like the newer iPhone 12. And the second generation iPhone SE has the rounded sides like the 6 and the 7 and the 11, etc. Yep, perfect. Yeah, that's that's the way to tell. Look at the pictures. <laughs> if If it's not clear from the description which generation it is, look at the pictures. By the way, we're mostly talking about iPhones here, but this also applies to iPad and iPod Touch. Any devices that came out at the same time as the iPhone 8 and 10 or any time before that, those devices also have that same hardware vulnerability. Good to know if you happen to be looking for an iPod Touch, you want to make sure to get the seventh generation because that's the only one that can run the current iOS. Okay, in other money matters, we're coming up to the time when certain subscriptions will come up for renewal. Uh, if you took out a subscription to Apple Music when it first launched in September 2015, if you got your three-month trial and then started paying in December, you're going to have your Apple Music subscription uh, come up for renewal in December. Apple has a lot of subscriptions, and it can be Apple subscriptions such as iCloud that dollar you pay to be able to back up your phone because you don't have enough iCloud storage. It can be Apple TV Plus, which is free, but it's going to stop being free in February. It could be the new Apple One subscription, but it can also be subscriptions to apps. It's a little bit confusing to know, to try and remember all these subscriptions. So I have an article on the Intego Mac Security blog, How to Manage iTunes Store and App Store Subscriptions. Now, fortunately, they're all in the same place. There are several ways to get to them, whether you're on a Mac or an iOS device. And you see all these subscriptions together, whether it's Apple Music, Apple TV+, Plus, or app subscriptions. In the screenshots in my article, I show, let's see, four subscriptions that I have. One is um, the Guardian's Puzzle and Crosswords app, because I like doing cryptic crosswords. Bear, which is a tool I use for storing text. One Blocker, which is an ad blocker, and Apple TV+. Plus. So there's a number of ways to get to them. If you're in iTunes or if you're in the, the music app in Catalina, go to account, view my account. Uh, you'll have to enter your password. Look in the settings section at the bottom of the window because there's a whole lot of stuff on that page and you'll see all your subscriptions. There's actually an easier way to get to subscriptions and that's to open the news app and then choose file manage subscriptions. I don't know why it's so easy in the news app and so much harder to get to it in other places. If you're on an iPhone or an iPad, open the App Store app, tap your app avatar at the top right. That's either picture or your initials or your, your monogram is what Apple calls it. Um, you'll see an account page and tap manage subscriptions. It's really a good idea to do an audit of your subscriptions every now and then because do you remember, Josh, how many subscriptions do you have? Um, we're going to pause recording while Josh checks on his Mac or his iPhone to see how many subscriptions he's got. Well, I checked, and as I suspected, I don't have any subscriptions at all. <laughs> How can you use Apple stuff without any subscriptions? Don't you need extra iCloud storage at a minimum? I I don't. Um, I, I know my wife does. That's probably the one subscription that, that she has on her account. But we're not using family sharing or whatever they call it. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't have any shared subscriptions uh, with anybody else in my family either. 
Okay, well, I've got, let's see, one, two, three, four apps, five apps, Apple Music and Apple TV Plus. That's all I have. Um, so if you want to check a subscription, just tap it and you'll see um, the various subscription options. Some of them are monthly, some of them are annually, and you can choose whichever you want. Um, and there's a button to cancel subscription. Uh, if you want to cancel your subscription, it won't cancel immediately. Uh, it'll go to the next period. So I've paid for Apple Music for a year. If I were to cancel now, it would go through the end of December. Anything that's monthly, it'll cancel at the end of the month. And that way you might actually save money because you may have subscriptions that you've signed up to and you've totally forgotten. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's where this is most valuable, I think, is, uh, as you say, to audit it, right? To make sure that, you, you know, you're not continually paying for some subscription for something you're not even using anymore. Like, let's say, for example, that you're, you've decided to start using the Brave browser instead, and so you don't need one blocker for Safari anymore, um, then you could uh, just cancel that subscription and not have to renew it. Um, by the way, so if you don't have any subscriptions, if you're not sure whether you have any subscriptions, the place to look, uh, again, as Kirk mentioned, um, you, you tap on your monogram and then uh, underneath purchased. So there's, there's purchased and then there will be an additional line below that that says subscriptions that you can tap on. Uh, I didn't have that line at all, which is how I can tell that I don't have any subscriptions. Okay, so for iCloud storage, um, if you want to find that, you go to System Preferences. Up at the top, you click Apple ID. Uh, you'll see your storage at the bottom, and you click Manage, and then you can click Buy More Storage to get more. If you do this on an iOS device, tap Settings, tap your name, tap iCloud, then tap Manage Storage. So in both cases, you'll see your current storage subscription. Me, I'm paying three bucks a month for 200 gigabytes. And you can change the storage plan. You can upgrade or downgrade. You can upgrade your storage to up to two terabytes for $10 a month, and you can downgrade it to 50 gigabytes for $1 a month. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to tell you how to securely dispose of your old Mac if you're getting a new one and want to sell or give away an old one. And we'll talk about the new HomePod Mini. This week, while you're shopping for Black Friday deals, we've got an extra special offer for you. First-time buyers of Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9, the ultimate Mac protection and utility suite, can get an incredible 65% savings. Use the special promo link in the show notes to take advantage of this limited-time offer. Tell your Mac-using friends and family, or buy it for them as a holiday gift. To get 65% off, remember to use the Black Friday promo link in this episode's show notes. And while you're there, you can also find a great deal on Intego Antivirus for Windows. Intego, makers of the best protection software for Mac, and now for Windows, too. Okay, we've talked about new Macs. The M1 Macs are out. There is a MacBook Air, a MacBook Pro, and a Mac Mini. I got a MacBook Air today, and we're going to talk about that next week. Um, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be selling my MacBook Pro, which is about two years old. And we have an article on the Intego Mac Security blog, How to Securely Dispose of Your Old Mac. If you listened to last week's episode, we told you the steps to upgrade a new Mac. And now we've got 10 steps about securely disposing of your old Mac. Now, what does it mean, securely dispose? It doesn't mean you're necessarily going to throw it away. You may want to sell it on eBay or some other way. You may want to give it to a relative. Um, you may want to give it to a friend, or it might be old enough that it should be recycled. That's right. The important thing to to think about here is that you don't just want to 
you know, throw away or sell or give away your device unless you have cleaned all of your data off of it first. It's really important um, because, you know, there's a, a lot of sensitive things that you probably have on your drive um, or that somebody could recover from your drive, even if you've thrown it away in the trash and emptied the trash at some point. Um, it's still possible in some cases to recover data from a drive. Um, so you need to think about that, but there's some other things that you should think about as well. Okay. So the first step, and how many times do we say that people should back up their Macs? Um, pretty much every episode. So if, <laughs> if, list, if regular listeners don't know that by now, that's step one, back it up because you may have data that's not anywhere else. Um, you, you next need to sign out of iCloud. And this is for a couple of reasons. Um, any device that's connected to iCloud, if you have Find My Mac turned on, um, well, no one else is going to be able to use it because it's going to be locked to your account. So you need to sign out um, so someone else can use it, but also to clear all your data off. When you sign out of iCloud, um, you'll see that there are options to keep data on the device or to erase it. If you're getting rid of the Mac, just erase everything. We'll get to the whole erasing bit later. But get it out of your account so it's not listed on your account anymore. One of the important reasons why is if you're using two-factor authentication um, with Apple devices, and this is one of your trusted devices. Let's say you've sold your, your MacBook Pro to someone. It's one of your trusted devices. When you go to log in on a new Apple device, the person on the old device is going to get a code. Now, if they know your Apple ID and password and they can also get the code, well, they can get into your iCloud account. So you want to make sure that doesn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. So sign out of iCloud, definitely one of the first steps you should do after backing it up. Okay. Deauthorize your Mac from the iTunes store. You're only allowed to have five computers authorized with the iTunes store. You go into the music app, you choose account authorizations, deauthorize this computer. There's a way to nuke all your computers in the settings. It's a hassle. Um, it's better to just do it this way. If you also have an account with Audible and use uh, Audible files in the music app or iTunes, you'll want to deauthorize the Audible account. I've actually had this problem before where I forgot to deauthorize a computer when I was no longer going to be using it. And um, so I've had to to do this later on. And uh, it, it was kind of a pain from what I recall. This was many years ago now, but um, it's it's much easier to just deauthorize a device one at a time rather than having to nuke everything and, and reauthorize things. So I, I can tell you from personal experience that it's much easier to just deauthorize the one computer before you get rid of it. You want to sign out of your iMessages account. This is kind of important because if you haven't, it's possible that someone with your computer can get your iMessages because of the way computers are linked to an iMessages account. It's not necessarily just your Apple ID, but it's also the computer's MAC address sometimes. Okay, so there's a couple of other things to do. You want to reset your Mac's NVRAM. We used to call that the PRAM. Um, you start up your Mac, you hold down Command, Option, P, and R. You hold it for about 20 seconds. The Apple logo comes up again. The Apple recommends that you do this, and, and I've never really thought of doing it myself, but there may be some changes you made, like applying a, a firmware password to the computer, and this will erase it. You also want to unpair Bluetooth devices. And the only reason for this is more that, let's say you give a computer to one of your children, um, you don't want your Bluetooth devices getting picked up by their computer in another room in the house. 
Okay. Now, the most important thing is step number seven, erase your Mac's drive. And we'll link to an article about how to securely erase your hard drive. This is how you get rid of all your data. I do recommend that you use File Vault to encrypt your drive. And when you do this, you don't have to worry as much because the data is fully encrypted on the drive. But you need to do this because if you sell it or even you sell it to a recycling company, people might just dumpster dive and pull these old hard drives out just to see what they can find. Right. And and hopefully you're using File Vault too, um, which means that uh, your every, all the contents of your drive should be encrypted. Um, and if if you are, then it's not as big of a deal. But it, most people probably don't have File Vault enabled um, unless you have consciously decided to go and do that. Um, you probably don't. Um, so another thing that you could do alternatively is you could actually enable File Vault and uh, it'll take some time, but basically what that'll do is it'll make it so that any con- any of the contents of your drive will now be encrypted. And so when you get rid of that drive, as long as you use a good password and things like that, then people shouldn't be able to recover anything from it. Still, um, it doesn't hurt to erase it, <laughs> even if you've got File Vault enabled. Um, now, if if you have an SSD, I wouldn't do a whole lot of passes. There's, there's lots of different ways that you can, you can go about erasing a drive. Um, but a simple zeroing out of the the data, just one pass of erasure is enough. Um, especially if you've got an SSD, you don't want to continually write too much data constantly onto that drive because it can wear out over time, the more you write to it. Okay, the next step for me is to install Mac OS. I just sold a Mac Mini, and after I erased the drive, I booted into the recovery partition, I downloaded the installer, I went through the whole installation process until it reboots and it comes up with the screen where you choose language, and then I turned it off. So the person who gets the computer, they're going to turn it on just like they're getting a new computer from Apple, and they don't have to worry about maybe not having the bandwidth to to, to download the installer. Um, I think it's just a good gesture, particularly if it's for friends and family. Clean the Mac. Give it a good cleaning, you know, soft, damp cloth and all that. And if you can't sell your Mac, recycle it. Apple has a trade-in program. Um, they might give you 50 bucks for an old Mac, but even if they won't give you any money for it, they'll recycle it, recycle it in a way that it's not going to get tossed into a landfill. Exactly. It, in, if it's a relatively new Mac, there are probably places in your community that will accept it as a donation. Um, like, let's say it's maybe three years old or so. Um, you know, your local school district, for example, might be interested in in, uh, in accepting it as a donation. Um, if it's much older than that, probably not. You probably should just recycle it at that point if it's, you know, several years old. Um, but, uh, you know... Schools are typically interested in in getting donations as long as they're new enough that they can, say, run the newest operating system. Um, So if it can run Big Sur, great. Um, If it can run Catalina, but not Big Sur, they may or may not want to accept it. It depends on the school district, but definitely worth checking uh, school districts, libraries, uh, other places in your area that might be interested in getting an older computer. Okay, so the HomePod Mini came out, and I got a pair of HomePod Minis um, last week, and I've been trying them out, and I've got a review on the Intego Mac Security blog. This is an interesting device. I know, Josh, you don't have any HomePods or HomePod Minis. You've got one Echo sort of, um, what would you call it, eavesdrop device? Is that what they are? The Echo, <laughs> the Echo eavesdrop, that's a special one? 
I've, I've got the original generation Echo, the big tall cylinder, and I also have the first gen, uh, what is it called? The Echo uh, Dot. The first Echo gen Dot, Echo the Dot hockey puck model. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the HomePod Mini is, when the HomePod came out, we talked about it. It was expensive. It was $349. Apple was touting how great it sounded, which is relative, depending on what kind of music you listen to. The HomePod Mini is actually the cheapest Apple device that does anything. You can buy cases or Apple Watch bands for less than $99, but they don't really do much. You know, when they first demonstrated it, it was really not obvious how small it is. So I have a photo in my article of my AirPods in front of the HomePod Mini to show that it really is tiny. It's about the size of a softball. Um, it's, it's very discreet. I've got the two on either side of my iMac right now, and they're both black and they're kind of... You know, they're in the background. You don't really notice them. Apple has four bullet points on their HomePod mini page. They talk about room-filling sound. They talk about the intelligent assistant. They say you can control your smart home, and they say it's private and secure. Let's get the first one out of the way. If you have a small Bluetooth speaker, you know how this sounds. It's not that much better. It can go pretty loud. It's a little bit muddy. I find it great to listen to podcasts. If you don't have demanding uh, musical tastes if you don't really care about the sound too much. I think a pair of these next to an iMac to stream music from the music app doesn't sound too bad. The music's coming from your desk or table, so the direction's a little bit weird, but it they sound better than I expected. I, I was expecting worse as a stereo pair. I, I haven't personally tried a HomePod mini, but I suspect that the audio quality on this is going to be probably a lot better than, say, a, an Alexa-enabled device. So, um, you know, even the HomePod mini still has a, has a pretty decent speaker, I would say, compared to other things in its class. Now, it does cost more, but, um, you know, you get a lot of features. I think you kind of get a lot of bang for the buck with the, the HomePod mini. Well, so that's the real question. People don't buy this because they want speakers. People buy this because they want Siri. You can get a decent Bluetooth speaker for 60 bucks. That sounds probably about the same. And also is battery powered, so you can go anywhere. The HomePod mini has to be plugged in. You can't take it out on the deck um, if you want outdoor music. Um, but sound-wise, I think it's a little bit overpriced, but it's an Apple device. Um, so the second... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it's a little bit overpriced, but it's an Apple device. It's pretty much what you can say about every Apple device, isn't it? Uh, although, to be honest, I mean, I, I've I've heard this argument, of course, for years and years, and and personally, I I think that for the most part, um, you you get what you pay for, and I think for the most part, Apple devices are really superior in a lot of ways, uh, especially hardware quality. I agree. And we'll talk about this next week when I talk about the MacBook Air that I got. That is the least expensive Mac laptop and that is surprisingly competent. So intelligent assistant, that's the second bullet point. That's Siri. And the problem with Siri for me is if you're an Apple user, you've got an iPhone or an Apple Watch or an iPad. Do you really need another Siri device? Uh, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I mean, especially if you've got a watch. I mean, you've always got something that you can easily talk to right on your wrist. So I, I, I don't think that I probably would need another Siri device that handy. Yeah. So the idea of the HomePod Mini is that you can stick it anywhere in the house and anyone can use it. When we get when we talk about private and secure, I'll tell you why that doesn't work. But it is if anyone wants to just start playing music someplace or ask what the weather is, then they can do it without having their 
Apple devices in their hand, but I'm just not sure what the demand is for that. Um, you know, most people, they've got an iPhone handy uh, at all times. If there's one feature, and I think I mentioned this when we talked about the HomePod Mini after Apple's presentation, um, it's the smart home control. Apple spent a lot of time in their presentation talking about the smart home. And if you want to control smart home devices through Apple's home app um, using what's called HomeKit, you have to have a device that serves as a HomeKit hub. Now, this could be an Apple TV or an iPad but the HomePod Mini is the cheapest device you can do for that. Now, this is interesting because let's say you've got a smart thermostat and you're out and you want to turn the thermostat on an hour before you get home. Well, you can do this remotely through the Home app. Um, you can do all sorts of things like that. You can turn your lights on when you're not home. Without a HomeKit hub, you can't do any of that remotely. You can only do that within your home. So I think that Apple's betting on this to create the Apple smart home environment in the future. You may not really need this right now, but if you're into smart home devices, um, you'll find this interesting. One new feature that's not specific to the HomePod mini, but that came out at the same time is intercom. Uh, if you say, hey, Siri, intercom, who wants pizza for dinner? All of the Apple devices of your family that you've added to the home app will get this message. They'll hear you speaking, hey, who wants pizza for dinner? The only exception is Macs. For some reason, it doesn't work on Macs, but it works on the iPhone, the Apple Watch, the iPad, the HomePod, and even cars running CarPlay. If you've got a big family and you want to communicate to them, um, you can use this intercom feature easily to talk back and forth, and anyone can answer at the same time. So ask who want pizza, and everyone else can answer and tell what kind of pizza they want. Now, th that's pretty cool. I hadn't even heard that it works with CarPlay, too. I, that's That's new to me. Yeah. So that way you get people at home, on the bus, if they got their iPhone and in the car. So we get to private and secure. And this is really important because um, we've talked many times about Alexa, how it's maybe not secure and how Siri is maybe more secure. Siri, Apple puts a lot of stress on the fact that Siri doesn't record things. They stay on the device, um, that they're not listening to what you say, even though there were times when they have listened to what people say. What's really important to note about Siri is, so the HomePod Mini and the HomePod, they're meant to be used by multiple people, unlike your iPhone. Uh, in your iPhone, you're the person who talks to Siri. You're logged into your uh, Apple ID. It's got all your account information. With the HomePod Mini or a HomePod, you've added a number of people to the Home app, and any of them can use those devices to ask Siri. If I say, hey, Siri, what's my next calendar event? Siri says, you'll need to authenticate on your iPhone to continue. Authenticate doesn't mean you tap something to say, yes, let Siri tell me. It means that it just displays a little text box showing the next calendar event. So if you've got multiple users set up, you can't really use the HomePod mini to access all of your data. However, if you ask Siri to read your messages, which for me are maybe more personal than calendar events, Siri will do that. And I find that very surprising. Yeah, that seems a little bit, well, I, I was going to say it seems a little bit backwards, but um, I, I can see the potential privacy issues with both of those things because, um, you know, there, there may be calendar events that you don't want somebody else in the room to know about, but um, probably a lot more so about text messages. <laughs> that could be a lot, uh, it could get you in trouble, I suppose, in certain circumstances. 
Well, for example, you're using two-factor authentication through SMS, and you get a code, and someone asks your HomePod to read the messages, and they find the code, and they can log in on a website if they have your other credentials. It seems to me that messages are extremely sensitive for that. Very good point, yeah. So it does recognize different voices, but it won't really give you all your data. I find the whole multi-user thing is a little bit confusing. There's lots of links in my articles to uh, Apple documents about how to do this. As a little device for using Siri and for listening to music, it's okay. Is it worth 99 bucks? It really depends on how you're going to use it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I I think that um, if if you want the better quality, if you want the nice aesthetic look of it, it, it might be worth getting this, uh, especially also if you're not really tied into another ecosystem, because, uh, you know, Amazon and Google um, both have these little devices that you can put around your house that's got a smart assistant built in. Um, so depending on where you've got all your music, if if you have an Apple Music subscription, then yeah, it might make sense to get a HomePod mini. If you've got an Amazon Music subscription, um, you know, in, whether it's included with Prime or you get the the upgraded version of it that has a bigger library, um, maybe an Amazon Echo is is a better choice for you. It's certainly a lot cheaper, especially if you get a Black Friday discount. It's it's a bit of a toss up. Um, price wise, the the Echo is certainly going to beat it. But um, if you're really, really tied into the Apple ecosystem, then the HomePod mini is probably worth spending a little extra money. Okay, that's enough for next week. I think this episode's gone a lot longer than usual. Next week, we'll talk about the new MacBook Air and more. Until then, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you'd be so kind, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com